Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Church Online Summit Nation. I want you to know the doors of the physical church are open. <laughs> the doors of the church building are open. You can come whenever you feel comfortable. We want to welcome everybody who actually came to the physical house or uh, you're watching online, all of our guests. I appreciate you sharing um, this um, live stream with all your friends and uh, co-workers, uh, enemies, anybody. Amen. Praise God, because we're going to uh, get into some great word today. But uh, first, I want to make a, a, a few comments. Uh, Carla's talking about giving or, or whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? We do everything in Jesus' name. Amen. And when you say in Jesus' name, what, what you're doing is you're depending on Jesus. You're saying it, it's not because of, of what I have done. It's not because of what I do, okay, but it's because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Uh, we are who we are by the grace of God. Amen? And so... Um, Shatan and Jerry and uh, they they had a trip to Las Vegas, and I told them I, I gave uh, Shatan a dollar and I told him, put it in the slot machine for me and do it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, they did go to Las Vegas though, but I didn't give them a dollar, so don't 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 criticize me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Carla was also. Uh, talking about about signs, and um, sometimes there are things that don't uh, apply, like right now, like she said. But that's really good; it applies later. And you may not be attacked in your body with uh, a sickness or disease, but um, there'll be a time when the devil will try to put something on you. And it's good to be able to build your house while the sun is shining. It's tough to build your house when it's storming outside. So hide those scriptures in your heart. Amen. And you'll be ready at the time of attack. And you'll say, no, you don't, devil. And you know what the word says, that by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Amen. Some signs they put up, though, I, I just I can't figure out. It makes no sense. Anybody ever seen... Um, those signs called hidden driveway. Ridiculous, isn't it? Somebody's going to go through all that trouble to hide their driveway, and they put up a sign. That's so crazy to me. Amen. All right. Something else I wanted to say. Uh, Y'all get that after a while. But anyway, um, uh, uh, Carla mentioned something. Pastor Tracy mentioned something about uh, highway and being in a, uh, avoiding an accident and God's protection. You know, we have supernatural protection, and one of the things that I pray over you, I pray over y'all every day, our Summit family, Summit Nation, and um, partners of our ministry, I, I, I pray over you that you are far above the coronavirus. You're far above sickness and disease. And Tracy's story, Carla's story, reminded me of uh, Virgil Smith. We went over to her house, and, and uh, she actually, she's on, online today. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, we went over to her house, interviewed her, and uh, we still have that. I, I should find that and repost it. But uh, she was, I don't remember all the details but she was in an accident on a highway. Ice may have been involved, and she just lost control of the car, and, and it was just she had her hands off of the steering wheel. But God guided the car. Her car actually went under. She just, like, went back. I think her seat actually went, if I remember correctly, all the way back, and she just starts spinning around, and the car was spinning and went underneath a semi-truck. You hear me? Underneath the truck while it was moving. 
and she didn't have a scratch on her. I mean, the car was jacked up, but she didn't have a, a, a scratch on her. You can't make that up. We've got angels encamped around us. And the Bible says, no evil shall befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling, for he has given his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, that's what happened to her, that's what happened to Trace, they shall bear you up. That's what happened to meet you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just give God praise for his protection. Let's just thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I want to just give a shout out to everybody that's watching today. And uh, we've got, we're broadcasting this on YouTube and on Facebook. And oh, let me also say that if you are watching on, on YouTube on a regular basis, or even if you don't, head over to our YouTube channel. This will help us out to get it, uh, to push it out to more people, is if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel and like the, uh, don't, uh, don't just eat and wipe your mouth after you eat good today. And we've already, we've already ate good today, man. We've already, man, praise God. We were singing about, I believe there's a winner in me. Man, we can walk away right now and just be blessed. I so appreciate uh, the band and uh, the, uh, the singers. Boy, they bring it every single week. I mean, even when there was nobody hardly there during the lockdown, I mean, they bring it like it was a thousand people in here. Glory to God. I so appreciate that. And I just want to give a shout out to, uh, we're going to get into the word. Uh, in a second, but I just want to give shout-outs to some folks. I want to give a shout-out. I don't want to call names, but our whole media team, our whole, uh, the, the, the ushers and the people we've been working on, a short staff while people are, are, um, are still at home. But I tell you, we're getting it done. No, nobody's making any excuses. Everybody just, just steps up to the plate. And, and do what they have to do with no, no murmuring and complaining. See, the Bible tells us to do all things without murmuring and complaining. And I believe um, just to give, the Bible talks about giving honor where honor is due. And I so appreciate my team. I don't take it for granted. And I think about this a lot, okay, how, I mean, I, I just basically get to come in here and just uh, enjoy What's already been done. It sounds like it. It, it, it sounds like uh, the gospel to me. Amen. It's like that's what God has done for us. Everything is ready. Amen. When God created man, He He created. Uh, that was a good segue into this. Praise the Lord. God had had uh, had everything done in six days, and on the seventh day He rested because everything that He created was good, and He rested from all of His works. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And the Bible tells us, he that enters rest has ceased from his own efforts, his own labors. See, when you enter rest, see, I talked about how I get to come in and everything is finished, everything is done, everything is prepared so I can come in. If I had to do everything myself, I had to be here 6 o'clock. And then some of this stuff that they're doing, I don't even know how to do. <laughs> Amen. I know some things, but I don't, I don't know a lot. But uh, uh, thank God that uh, everything is finished when I come in. Hallelujah. And so likewise, what, what Jesus did for you on the cross is he finished the work. He said, it is finished. Amen. And so your healing is finished. Your prosperity is finished. Your, all the promises of God, they're yes and amen. We don't have to strive for them or work for them. We enter into rest. When you enter into rest, you cease striving and struggling, and you cease from working to try to please God because you understand he's already pleased. Amen. Thank you, Lord. See, we don't worship and praise in order to get God to be pleased. We praise and worship because he's pleased. 
knowing that he's already pleased. Amen. We don't try to earn his love. We cease from trying to earn God's love. We understand that, that he loves us unconditionally, ha has nothing to do with our efforts. And you just, you just interest. You cease from trying to accomplish and complete what's already completed. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, before I got sidetracked on that, I, I meant to tell you, or I started to say, if you're on YouTube, and even if you're not, head over to our YouTube channel and check it out. And while you're there, and if you're watching right now on YouTube, um, just take a moment right now to just click that like button. That helps us. Also, click the, uh, the little bell underneath the, the video. It's, it will, um, it's a, a notification button, and it, it will send you notifications when we're live. All right? We're on live almost every single day on YouTube and Facebook. Thank you, Lord. So like it. And comment. Put some comments in the comment section. All right? Okay. I'm greatly blessed, highly favored, and deep. Y'all supposed to be saying this together with me. <laughs> I didn't give you, I didn't give you, uh, I didn't tell you when I was started, did I? Okay, here we go. Ready? Let's go. I am greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved by you. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I am my father's favorite child. I am the apple of his eye. I am well-pleasing in his sight. I receive the love that my father has for me. Everything I do and touch shall be blessed because I am the beloved. I am loved, righteous, blessed, prosperous, redeemed, forgiven, talented, creative, confident, secure, disciplined, focused, prepared, qualified, motivated, valuable, free, determined, equipped, empowered, anointed, accepted, and approved, not average, not mediocre, holy, flawless, without blemish, blameless, and free from accusation. I am a child of the Most High God. I will become all I was created to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Y'all ready for the word? Well, we're going to dive right in. Join a small group near you, y'all. And uh, we, we are meeting on Tuesday nights right now. And they are online right now, actually. And we're looking to expand our small group. So 7 o'clock on Facebook. Praise the Lord. All right. So today we're going to talk about our walk, all right? And we're looking into the book of Ephesians, and we're dividing it into three parts. Part number one is our position in Christ, and we're going to finish that up today and get into our walk, okay? Um, our position in Christ has to do with being seated. The Christian life begins with sitting, not walking. You got, you got to sit before you walk. No victorious Christian experience begins with walking, but with sitting down. I want to say that again. No victorious Christian experience begins with walking. It begins with sitting down. Okay. And the first three chapters basically deal with that, the, our, our position in Christ, which is sitting or to sit. And then the second section of Ephesians, which we'll get into today, uh, basically begin in chapter 4 and goes midway through chapter 6. And that has to do with our life in the world, which is our walk. All right? And then midway in, chap in chapter 6 is the, the, the third section, and, and that has to do with our attitude toward the enemy, which is stand. Thank you, Lord. And I tell you what, the Christian life 
is a victorious life. And you, all, you are already a success because Jesus lives on the inside of you. Isn't that good? We're going to begin in, verse, uh, in Romans chapter 6. We're still talking about our position in Christ um, being seated. The Christian life begins. See, some people want to go right into our walk. Well, you walk. You need to, to make sure you're walking right. And you, basically, your, is your, your, your life in the world, that, that you are living right, that you're walking right, and that your walk is acceptable to God. Well, first of all, you need to realize that you're already acceptable to God. The Christian life doesn't begin with you walking. It begins with you sitting. You cannot walk properly unless you're sitting. Your sitting gives you the strength to walk. I mean, just think about if a, a lifeguard is trying to save a drowning man. And that drowning man is, is fighting the water because of fear, and they're struggling, and that lifeguard is trying to bring them, uh, 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 to trying to save them and uh, bring, them, uh, bring them to safety. Well, as long as they're struggling, then their, their muscles, they, they tense up. Now, I don't know how to swim, so I'm just telling you based on, on what I've heard. <laughs> and uh, I'm still learning. We, Carla and I began taking swimming lessons, but the problem is we didn't finish because our instructor lives in Switzerland, <laughs> our friends Sandy Frey, and uh, she, she's an excellent swimming instructor, but she had to leave before uh, we got finished with our lessons. Uh, Carla and I are, are, are a little slow learners when it comes to swimming, but I, I can do certain things. Um, but even, even before uh, Sandy, I, I had learned how, this is our second attempt to learn how to swim. Don't judge me. <laughs> so I had learned, and I, this fascinated me when I first saw it. Several years ago, I saw a guy, and he, he was a pretty heavy guy. And this dude was in the pool just laying on, on his back on top of the water. I'm like, wow, how could he do that? That big old guy, his big stomach was sticking out, and he's laying on top of the water. And that fascinated me, and, and I was like, man, I want to do that. Because it was so hot outside, and man, I was like, man, I wish I could do that right now, but I couldn't. But even though uh, I haven't learned how to swim, I did learn how to do that. And with, some, with a few practice attempts, I can, I can do that. But, but then you got you to gotta do something with your behind and your hips. You got to make sure you get up. But I, I, I tend to struggle. And see, when, when, you, when you tighten up, you go down. And so, um, yes, yeah, so this guy was just laying on there. But I, but I did learn how to do that, man. And, and when, when I'd get up there, boy, oh, man, it feels so good. But back to, the, back to the lifeguard trying to save the guy. If he's struggling because he, he's scared of drowning, um, he can take the lifeguard down with him. And what the lifeguard would try to help him to do is just relax and just let go. Thank you, Lord. And the secret of the Christian life is letting go, not, look, not allowing fear because of the circumstances <clears throat> to, to uh, cause you to take your focus away from God or not look to God, trust him to take care of you. you. You hear the term about letting go and letting God. There was a story I heard about someone who had trouble with just letting go. And so... Uh, they, they would just, um, they, the, the circumstances, would, they would get their eyes on the circumstances and, and they just trying to do things themselves and, and, and struggling and striving and straining and, and they had trouble just letting go and letting God handle stuff and they were trying to handle it. And so as a, as a reminder uh, of just letting, letting God handle it, he cut out these, these letters one by one, L-E-T, uh, 
G-O-D, let God. And, and he, would, he would paste those individual letters up uh, on the wall, uh, I think by his, by his desk. And then uh, one day, uh, the letter D just fell off. And then he looked up and it spelled, let go. And, and then he got a revelation. In order for me to let God, I got to let go. Thank you, Jesus. And that's, that's the secret to the Christian life, just letting go. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You know what be still means? If you look that up, be, be still means to let go. If you look that up in the Hebrew, it means, man, I was excited when I saw that. Be still and know that I'm God. Okay? That's not, that just doesn't mean, okay, I'm just going to be still. I'm just going to stay right here and be still. I mean, what does that even mean? Be still means you let go. Because if you're still and, and, and having cares and anxieties and worry, you can be still and, and worry and fear. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. You do that first. And then what happens? The peace of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Um, you know, history is important. Knowing where you came from. The most important history that we need to understand is our history in Christ. Okay? And you can know your history as a Hispanic or as a, as a black person or as a white person. You, you, can, you can know uh, history, and that's, that, that's cool. But the most important history is to know your history in Christ because we have an incredible history. And what we're about to read is actually history. You died. You experienced the death. Anybody made Jesus the Lord of your life? You experienced the death. That's history. And that happened on the cross. And the Bible tells us here, even so, consider yourselves also dead. Because you are dead. We're not, we're not dying daily. We're dead. Well, I just died daily. We just need to crucify the flesh. We already crucified. We've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live, yet not, not I, but Christ living in me. Now, hold that. Write that down, Galatians 2.20, because I'm going to drop a bombshell on you. Like my friend Stephen Wash, he'll say, I'm about to say something. I'm about to say something. <laughs> Amen. So I want to drop something on you, but uh, hold this under your hat. The life that we live is about letting go and let, letting Christ live through us. Okay? Now, consider yourselves dead to sin and your relation to it broken. See, we have died to sin. That's past tense, that's our history. That's not our present. That's our past. In the past, we died. When Jesus died to sin, we died. I've been saying this over and over. We've been, we, we've been identified with Jesus in everything he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. When Jesus went to the cross and was crucified, we were crucified. When Jesus died, we died. When Jesus was buried, we were buried. When Jesus was made alive, we were made alive. When Jesus was raised, we were raised. When Jesus was seated, we were seated, and that's where we is right now. We are seated together with him in heavenly places. So consider yourself dead to sin. We're not dying to sin. We're dead to sin. And your relation to it broken. That's your history. You've been made a new creation in Christ. 
I've been sharing this all week on uh, in our daily uh, um, confessions, uh, but I, I want to share it with you now. This fits really good right here. This is Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, seven. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Old, y'all, y'all say that kind of kind of soft. Y'all say that at home too. Say, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Everything in your spirit became new. The all things that became new are, are all things in your spirit. The old things that passed away is uh, alienation, separation from God that Adam got, a, got us into. As soon as he ate of the tree, we're going to talk about that tree in a second. When he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he and, and Eve, they died spiritually. Before that, they were made alive. Or they were alive to God. All right? They were spiritually alive. They had communion with God in their spirit. But when they ate of the tree, they died a spiritual death. God told them, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. But wait a minute. He went on living hundreds of years. What is what does that mean? Did God lie? No. When he ate of the tree, he died spiritually. See, you are a spirit. That's the real you. You have a soul. That's your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, and you live in a physical body. He had fellowship with God, communion with God in his spirit. He was alive to God. When he ate of the tree, he and Eve, they died instantly spiritually they went on living physically but they died a spiritual death instantly and so that's why man needs to be saved because by adam sin entered into the world and death spiritual death through sin and so death spread to all men and so enter jesus on the cross he took our sin he took the sin of mankind on himself all right? Uh, he took the sin of the world, past, present, and future. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. Our forgiveness was finished. We stand forgiven of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you, Lord. You're not waiting to be forgiven. We have forgiveness through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so now, consider yourself dead to sin and your relation to it broken. But here's some other things, another thing to consider. Consider yourself alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Whoo, hallelujah. hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's what we need to consider. We have unbroken fellowship with the Father. Now, I don't want you to be like this older boy in this story of uh, in, in Luke chapter 15 when this boy, this younger son, this man had two sons, the younger son asked for uh, the portion of his inheritance and he went out and spent it all, wasted it on riotous living. And so... Uh, but the father was waiting on him when he came. The Bible says that he saw him when he was on his way home. And I mean, because actually he, he came to the end of himself. See, and that's when God can help you. I mean, he left the house arrogance. Give me my stuff. But he got humble when he was eating with pigs. And, and he came to himself. And he said, how many of my father's servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm here sitting here eating with these pigs, and I suffer with hunger. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going back home. <laughs> and I'm going to tell my father, I, hey, I have sinned. <laughs> he came to the end of himself. He rehearsed his, uh, his speech. He said he, he was going to tell his father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of the highest servants. But when he began to come home, 
the Bible says that, that the father saw him from afar off. That means he must have been looking for him every day. And, and he ran toward him. See, this is, this is really not a story of the son. This is a story of the love of the father. How he goes after that which is lost. You know, the father pursues us with loving passion. And, and so he, this is, this is a picture of, of our Heavenly Father. He ran, and he, the, the Bible says he, he, he fell on his neck. That means he tackled him. I mean, if you, if you go fall on somebody's neck, y- y'all on the ground. <laughs> and, and, and see, and he didn't remind him, listen, he didn't say, I told you so. He didn't scold him. All right, for for doing whatever he did. Look at look here at, at verse thirty-two. It says, "It was fitting to celebrate and be glad." I mean, what did the father do? He said, "Put a ring on his finger." Okay, killed a fatter calf. Put sandals on his feet. Bring a robe for him. We about to party. And he said, it was fitting to celebrate. See, this is our father's heart for us. But see, you've got an older brother. That's not, the father was glad that he came home. In, instead of him talking to him about how he wasted his money, the father's spending more on him. Oh, yeah, we're going to bring out the fatted calf. We're going to bring out some ribs. (laughs) Come on now. And and so we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. No mention of what he did. He said it's necessary that that, that we're merry and glad. See, that's what rejoices the Father's heart, to bless us. To give. The older brother, see, now he was the one that came out later and was bragging about what he did, about his his toil. Okay, he said, like you, you've never made. Let's let's, let's look at, at what the older uh, older boy said in. Uh, y'all with me? Now, this is very, very important. And actually, this, this older boy is lot, like a lot of folk in the church. Because the father noticed that this boy hadn't come out to the party. And because uh, the boy heard about it, and he had rocks in his jaw. Because he heard all the music, and he heard the partying. And he called one of the servants. And he said, like, what's going on? He said, your brother came. Your, fa- your father killed a fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. See, the older boy thought he ought to be punished. And that acceptance speech, oh, I forgot to mention, the acceptance speech, the father didn't even let him finish. Because he rehearsed the speech, said what he was going to do. His father saw him when he was far off, and he started his speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father stopped him before he was getting ready to get into just make me like one of the hired servants and so forth. And he's, he's like, look, bring quickly the best robe, yeah. the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Okay, the older, older boy was bent out of shape. And so he went in his room, pouting. His father came, came to him. He said, Father, look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. You know what? The goat was available to him all the time. But he thought that his reward was based on 
his obedience and what he did. And that's the way a lot of the church is today. They can't be happy with somebody's blessings because they're not experiencing the blessings of God because they're going about it the wrong way. They're trying to earn their blessings, and that's not how the blessings of God come. They don't come by your striving. They don't come by you working for them. You just receive God's blessings. Amen. The older boy was focused on, on giving to the father and earning his uh, blessings. He toiled for the father. He wanted to be the giver. And he wanted to be rewarded for his efforts. But the younger brother let the father do everything for him. And he was willing to be the receiver. See, God is so wealthy that it's his delight to give and give and give and give some more. Now, I'm actually, I told you I'm going to give you, uh, drop one bombshell on you. I'm going to I'm going to drop a couple. And I've, now one of them uh, I've shared before. But the father doesn't want you to give to him. He wants you to receive from him. I mean, what are you going to give to God anyway? God is so wealthy. You know, the psalm says... <laughs> I love this. God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Now, let, 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 me, let me say this in case, uh, case y'all misunderstand. It's not about, I know we, we do give to God. Let me say it differently. We, we do give to God, but as a reflex reaction. We don't, we don't start with giving to God, and that should never be our focus. Our focus it's to receive from him. The, it's the Father's delight for us to receive from him. He's such a bountiful giver. Again, what can you give to him, really? I mean, God can get his own slippers. <laughs> Amen. He, he, God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. He said, because the silver and gold are mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. So what are you going to do for me? God doesn't really need your money. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. Well, I'm just working for God. I'm just doing all I can for the Lord because he's been so good to us. Y'all better get busy and do some things for the Lord. That's the wrong focus. The focus is to receive from him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you receive from him, in instead of trying to do for him, and you let him do it for you, you become more productive in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Even though the older brother never left the house, he couldn't enjoy his position because he was in the self-effort. He was in the house. Like a lot of Christians today, they're in the house, but they, they got rocks in their jaws, and they really can't enjoy the blessings of God because they're trying to do it by themselves. DIY Christianity, do it yourself. No, the blessings of God are, 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 are to be received. When you stop giving, you will see how much of a giver God is. When you stop working, you'll discover how much of a worker he is. When you work, God rests. When you rest, God works. Hallelujah. The clock is a liar. Let's get into our walk, okay? No way, I got five minutes left. All true 
Christian experience begins from rest. See, when you're sitting, you're resting. We're going to look at some scriptures. We won't finish this about our walk today. Okay, so we talked about our position in Christ. It begins with rest. We spent a lot of time talking about that. Um, our position in Christ is, is to sit. And when you're sitting, you're resting. Amen. So our position in, in Christ is that we sit. Okay, that's the first section of Ephesians in the first. We just covered the first three chapters of Ephesians. Now, you can go read it and fill in the blanks. It has to do with our position in Christ. Now, in beginning in chapter 4, verse 1, it begins to get into what's called the imperatives. Okay, things that we, we should do. All right? But it doesn't start in chapter 4. Before 4 is 3. Before 3 is 2. Before 2 is 1. So he spends three chapters talking about our position. You're not ready to walk until you do what? Until you sit. And so when you start looking into the imperatives, because that's what a lot of Christians do. They jump into do's and don'ts. And God doesn't want us living by do's and don'ts. What we should look at when we see imperatives in the Bible, look at it as a blueprint that you can look at uh, uh, to see if your walk is correct. It's, it's a blueprint that, that when your life, when, when the life of Christ is lived out through you, this is what it should look like. We shouldn't look at the imperatives as rules. The Christian experience doesn't begin with walking but sitting. And every time we reverse this divine order, the result is disaster. <laughs> what do you mean, reversed order? Trying to walk before you sit? Then you get into do-it-yourself Christianity. All true Christian experience begins from rest. Your strength comes from sitting down. And there's a lot of imperatives, a lot of instructions on how to be a good employee, how to uh, be a good parent, how to be a good husband, how children are to, uh, are, are to behave. But see, these are not things that we should struggle to do. These, sh these things, these imperatives should be effortless because, again, remember the scripture that I told you, uh, shared with you earlier, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, see, your walk has to do, has to do with your life in the world. The life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's, it's all about leaning on Jesus. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And it's interesting what this word, um, I, I looked this up, the word walk, and we're going to look at some scriptures and you can see how many times that it mentions walk. Uh, walk, it means to walk around. <laughs> Amen. And that's what we do every day, right? We walk around. That's our life in the world. Okay? So let's look at verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. I want you to watch for the word walk. I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk. Everybody say walk. walk. In a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4.17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futilities, in the futility of their minds. We're going to skip around here in this, uh, in Ephesians. Um, but that is not the way 
you learned Christ, verse 20. Verse 23, here's another imperative. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Chapter 5, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 8, in chapter 5, for at one time you were, you were darkness. See, we're not darkness anymore, but you were. But now you are light. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says in another place in, in Corinthians, what fellowship, I believe chapter 6, verse 14 in 2 Corinthians, um, what fellowship has light with darkness? What, ha what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? The believers call light. The believers call righteousness. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. See, we, we were once, once darkness, but now, now you are light. Say, I am light. Walk as children of light. Amen. See, walking as children of light, you're, you're, it, it, it doesn't mean like walking in a light as he is in a light. It's not about how you're walking. It's about where you're walking. We are in the light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is true, all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, <laughs> we don't have time to fully develop this today, but um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But when it talks about things, these imperatives like walking in love, how are we going to do that? I mean, it talks about walking, walking in love as Christ loved us. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those that hurt you. Pray for those who use you. No, not use you, but despitefully use you. How many of y'all know that you can't do that in your own strength? Forget it. I say this a lot. Some people think that the Christian life is, oh, this Christian life is so hard. Stop it. It's not hard. It's impossible. It's not hard. It's impossible when you're trying to do it on your own. Try loving your enemies and praying for people that despitefully use you. Okay? Think about somebody who, who acts the most, the most despi despicable person that, that you, can, you can think of, people that, like, that you just don't like. Try loving them on your own. Getting real quiet up in here. I can sense, I can sense in my spirit that it's, being, it's, it's quiet at home too. But see, loving your enemies, it's not about gritting your teeth. Okay, I'm just going to go in to work. This person is messing with, with me every single day. I'm just going to go in here, and I'm, 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 I'm just going to, when they say something, I ain't saying nothing back. And they come in your office, and they cuss at you for no reason. And then you sit there, and I ain't saying nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then, they, and then, they, then they leave, and you think you did a good job because you didn't say anything, but you're burning up on the inside. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? See, that's when you're trying to do it on your own. But when you just yield, relax in the water, let go, and just let the love of Christ flow through you. Remember your history. You've been made a, you, you didn't turn over a new leaf when you got saved. You became a brand new person on the inside. There's somebody in there. 
I said, there's somebody in there on the inside. His name is the Holy Spirit. And he's there to uh, 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 cause you to love your enemies. To, only he can help you to do that. Only he can cause you to do that. To walk in love as Jesus loved you. How did Jesus love you? Unconditionally. See, in our flesh, we want to love people based on whether they love us. And Jesus said, even sinners do that. <laughs> love people that love you. All right. Now, let's deal with two trees that were in a garden. There were the, the tree that I referenced. Um, I'm, I'm going to close with this. I want to leave leave you with some stuff and we'll, we'll pick it back up next week but there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was one tree and so that's the tree that got us in this mess that we are in today now I used to until I understood grace I really didn't understand what that tree was about I didn't understand why it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil since it was a, a tree that God didn't want them to eat of seems like to me it should have been called the uh, tree of evil. <laughs> but what I was scratching my head about was why is it called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, that's because God, see, before they ate of that tree, as I said, they were in communion with God and God was leading them. They had perfect, unbroken fellowship with God. They enjoyed their fellowship with God. God would walk and talk with them in the cool of the day. But there was this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And see, and the devil said, tempted them, tempted uh, Adam and, and told him, no, try to get him to eat of that tree and tell him that when you eat, you're going to be like God. And see, he, he, the enemy is a deceiver. See, he tried to get them to think that God was holding something back from them. See, they were already like God. He was trying to tempt them to eat of something, to, to get them to become something that they already were. They were already like God. And it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because... God didn't want them determining themselves what is good and what is evil. God did not want them deciding what was good and what was evil. That tree is actually a picture of the law. Doing good and staying away from evil is what the law was about. And see, that tree was a picture of the law. God does not want us deciding what's good and what is evil. Okay? And so now we've got Christ in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us. There was another tree in the garden called the tree of life. And people don't talk about that too much, but the tree of life is Jesus. Jesus is the tree of life. And so... That's what, that's the tree that we are to partake of today. You know, as a symbolism, the tree of life is Jesus. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the law. The tree of life is about depending on Jesus, living his life through us. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You ready for a bombshell now? Our standard of living should never be right and wrong. Well, I'm just trying to do right. I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. We, shouldn't, we should not be living our lives on the standard, on the basis of right and wrong trying to do what's right. We should not live our lives <laughs> trying, 
trying to do what's right and staying away from what's wrong. That's eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God wants us to live our life, um, live his life through us. See, you can't tell people, and, and even, even, listen, God doesn't want us demanding uh, other people to do right. And see, this can get us in the Christian world, it can get us into a whole lot of trouble trying to police people's lives, telling them what to do based on their experience. Well, you know, I remember one time when I was into some trouble like you, I, 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 it's not about that. The best thing you can help people to do is depend on the Holy Spirit. And stop judging people based on what you think is right and wrong. Let me give you an example that um, now some ladies not going to like this. But uh, Smith Wigglesworth, he's, he's with the Lord now. He's raised several people from the dead. But before he was saved, he had a wife who was a believer that prayed for him. And he was mean as a snake to her at one point in his life. And um, one time, he locked her out of the house. And she slept on the porch all night. Couldn't get in the house. All right. Brenda's already getting upset. <laughs> and the next morning, you know what she did? You know what she did? She went in and cooked him breakfast. When he opened the door, he went in. That's Jerry and talking to him. She's, I don't know if she's going to shout at the end of the service today. But let me, let me. <laughs> so, he, what is that? She goes in and cooks him breakfast. Now, if she wouldn't have got a gun and shot him, he never would have raised anybody from the dead. Because <laughs> he would have been dead. Right? So how many, how many would have advised her? Now, how many, how many would, have adv would have advised her to go in and cook him breakfast? Now, what he did for her clearly was not right and she knew it wasn't right. But, it was, but see, we have a Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us that knows stuff and knows what to do. God doesn't want us living our lives like, okay, what's right? Let me, let me do the right thing now. Let me, uh, uh, let me, see, see, me, me, let, let me, I, I, me. Trying to do things ourselves. Does that make sense to y'all? Now, she could have not even got into strife with him. Um, nobody would have faulted her if she would have just went in and not cooked breakfast, but just went to bed because she didn't, probably didn't get a good night's sleep out there on that porch. <laughs> nobody would fault her if she went in and, you know what, I, I went in, he, he locked me out, and uh, I, just, I was just went in and, and, and laid down. I would have did more than that. I would I would have. <laughs> and so... When, when people are, have marital issues or marital problems, and, and, and listen, don't just jump in and start telling people what to do unless the Spirit of God directs you to share something with them. See, it's all about, see, and we, we ought to help one another in Christ. Amen? Amen? And the Bible says we don't need to confess our sins to God. They've already been forgiven. The Bible tells us to confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. And the reason why we confess our faults one to another, even when we fail, is so that, and, and see, you can't confess your faults to everybody. Amen. You need to confess your faults to a grace person, a person that's going to tell you, you are still, no matter what you did, no matter how much you failed, you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and God never stopped loving you and he never will 
and you can pray for them and encourage them and speak life to them. But don't try to police them. Somebody come and tell you about what their husband did to them and you get all upset. And, uh, and see, there's another side. There's the husband side. Well, you know, he cut off all my credit cards. Yeah, but you didn't tell us <coughs> that you pulled a knife out on him. You left that part out. <laughs> See, cause you, my point is, you, you don't always know the whole story. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I've, I've counseled... Um, I've counseled a whole lot of people. And I've counseled enough people to know that counseling don't do much good. Because sometimes when people come to the counseling, they don't really tell you everything. They tell you a little bit of stuff. And, and sometimes they, the, the couple will come and they try to get you to agree with their position. And they're happy with you if you agree with them. And they're unhappy. You know, if you don't. And sometimes, the, you know, the husband don't want to even be there anyway. You know, you know, she drags him in my office. You don't believe that? I can show you. I got there's skid marks <laughs> out there. It will show you, you know, when they, they, they drag him in there. <laughs> so... Uh, and, and, and let me um, make a plug for small groups. And sometimes, it's just sometimes with a pastor, sometimes people really don't want a pastor to see their bad side. And they're more comfortable sharing it with somebody else in the body of Christ. And that's what, where small groups come in. Amen. But my point is, is don't live your life on the basis of right and wrong. Yield uh, to the Spirit of God. I mean, my, my prayer for, for my marriage is, is, and for my wife, I mean, for me, basically, is, Lord, love Carla through me. And, boy, that, that'll get you through some tough spots. Love, Lord, love my boss through me. Love my co-workers that's giving me these problems. Love them through me. Y'all get something out of this today? I mean, this is not one of those shouting messages and thing, things like that, but you know what? It's going to get you through some tough times. It's going to get you through some challenging times. The Bible says, we'll, we'll get to this uh, next time, but the Bible says you're in Christ Jesus and, and of who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption and other stuff, really, because through the Holy Spirit, Jesus, him is, Jesus is made unto us whatever we lack. You're never without help. The Holy Spirit will never leave you or forsake you. He's there to lead you and guide you and direct you. Nobody can tell you what's right for you and what's wrong for you. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Amen? Hallelujah. And sometimes you... Listen, let me, let me just say couple more things. Sometimes what the Lord is directing you to do will look crazy to somebody else. But you trust the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't look to wise counsel. Um, there are people that can speak into your life that have the Holy Spirit too. Okay, 
and can help you from, uh, uh, to stay away from doing some, something crazy. Because all of us miss it. Sometimes we, we can do things we, th we think it's the Holy Spirit leading us, but it's not. Amen. So trust the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word.